Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 2820, Who Says We Have to Be Happy All the Time? by Lynn Newman with tinybuddha.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, your host and narrator, back today with an article from Tiny Buddha. So that, let's get right to it as we optimize your life. Who Says We Have to Be Happy All the Time? by Lynn Newman with tinybuddha.com. Quote, Develop a mind that is vast like the water, where experiences both pleasant and unpleasant can appear and disappear without conflict, struggle, or harm. Rest in a mind like vast water. Buddha. When I think about having to be happy all of the time, I feel a certain kind of pressure. Sure, it's different now than it was, but that doesn't mean there aren't cycles when I question everything. Sometimes I can catch myself thinking that everything would magically fall into place if I had all the success I want in my career, the happily ever after relationship without any issues, or anything else I seemingly need. Happy enough that I didn't care, I'd walk around like a beaming light where everyone saw my radiance and adored me. It's a noble wish. I can envy those who seem happy all of the time and seemingly have it all together. The problem is, it's a dream of perfection. On a day when I don't feel happy or like a dark cloud is passing over my head, I can feel I've failed at life. The pressure to be happy actually makes me unhappy. And when I feel sorrow or pain or depression, I can fear it'll never go away. I worry the prize of arriving to this big, beautiful, happy life isn't mine to have in the first place. Here are three things I've learned to get through the lows that have helped me change the way I view my life and myself. Number one, moments of real connection often stem from acknowledging our struggles. Sometimes when I was in the dumps, I wanted to hide and isolate myself, but shared moments of loving connection didn't always have to happen when I was my happiest self. When I look at my closest friendships, I realize what helped form them into solid, supportive relationships were through moments of shared vulnerability. True intimacy came when I revealed what I was feeling or what I was going through, opening up to a deeper emotional honesty. Not feeling afraid to share truthfully what was going on for me allowed another person in more profoundly. And because of this, others felt safer to be real with me. They didn't worry I'd judge them for how they felt on any given day and I'd have compassion. It's the heart where true connection lies, not just in times of laughter and shared happiness. And forming a loving bond through times of difficulty 
gave us more appreciation for the shared joys that did arise. I learned how to do this, though, without being in a victim mentality. If I shared what I was feeling with a sense of neediness or wanting the other to help me, fix me, save me, it was harder to be around me. But if I shared with a sense of 100% responsibility for my feelings and issues, others trusted I would take care of myself without having to do anything for me. I could say, I'm having a difficult time and this is what I'm learning about myself. My intention for self-awareness and an interest to solve my own problems with humility gave people space to be with me without feeling burdened. And this, in return, although not expected, allowed reciprocity. Number two, peaceful acceptance is more important and more sustainable than happiness. I can be hard on myself. This idea of a perfect life, to not be messy, mixed up, afraid, and feeling small, makes those days when I'm down much harder. Now I just let those dark days be. Or more than that, I know even though those times suck royally, I'm growing. Now I focus on what can make me feel peaceful rather than happy. There's a lot more room then to get stronger and bring back the fire that seems to have left me. I do grounded, simple things that bring me joy, like knitting, reading a good novel, seeing a play, or taking a long walk in a different neighborhood. These small moments of taking the day easy and allowing with grace brings me inner balance, which I discovered is most needed in these kinds of down and outs. Just chilling out and taking the strain off helps me feel more present, alive, and clear. And that is far more sustaining than the elated, euphoric states I can have when something great does happen for me. Those super over-the-top kind of happy moments are fleeting and transitory. They pass by quickly as I return to daily life. Creating peace, rather than striving for constant happiness, gets me off the hook. Free of drama, stress, and anxiety, I take it easy even if I still feel messed up. Then I'm even keel, and that's a lovely feeling. It's really kind of refreshing. In reality, I don't have to do anything or get anything to be happy. I just get to be me. And number three, periods of uncertainty do pass, but it's how we hold them in the present that matters most. I've learned I can feel down when I'm not feeling on purpose or when I'm unsure of what's next. Not knowing what's gonna happen, I can fear I'll be stuck in the muck, unsafe, unlovable, and not enough. That in-between space is uncomfortable and disquieting. If I don't feel on point, motivated, or like I'm getting what I want immediately, I can think I've failed in life. As an artist, I can worry my next creative project won't come or fear I'll never fall in love again. This kind of future thinking is the death to my happiness because I can think there's something wrong with me for not having it all figured out. What I do in these times is nothing big. I focus on nurturing myself and find the easiest thing I can do. I apply what's gentle, loving, and kind. I ask my spirit what it needs rather than my ego that's striving for happiness. I accept it as a time to go within rather than seek pleasure without. A gentle time to restore and regenerate, giving myself space to prepare inwardly for the new. Truth is, there are sometimes slow-moving streams and still pools, and I can't force a river no matter how much I want to. My learning is not to flee from my sense of emptiness, but to loosen my grip and relax into the gap. Like a trapeze artist letting go of one bar and reaching for the next, 
I trust it's in this very space that the new is discovered. I try to honor the passages without forcing anything. As I take tender steps toward my endeavors, I allow the beauty of the next to arise according to its own timing. Somehow I'm freer, even if I happen to be unhappy. I know it's not really the truth of my being, and that's a very cool thing, kind of something that makes me happy. What gives you a sense of peaceful aliveness? In what ways can you connect more with others? How might you meet transition cultivating a sense of easy? And how might all of this give you more permission to be? You just listened to the post titled, Who Says We Have to Be Happy All the Time? by Lynn Newman with tinybuddha.com. Thank you to Lynn. She's a guest writer on Tiny Buddha and has her master's in counseling psychology. And come by tinybuddha.com for a lot more. I feel like I've heard possibly from one of the articles I've narrated, since I've narrated thousands now, I think I've heard before an idea that constantly searching for ways to be happy can actually bring about more unhappiness and dissatisfaction with our lives. But does that mean we should stop reading articles like this about happiness? Well, I don't think that's what Lynn's saying, but there is something to say about being dissatisfied often enough to feel like we constantly have to search for sort of remedies to not being happy all the time, which, like Lynn said, seems more like a dream of perfection than anything else. It would be inhuman to be happy all the time, no matter how many other people come across that way, either on social media or on podcasts even, possibly in real life. We might know that person who always seems to have everything together and happy about everything all the time, but I'd say something's going on there that needs further digging and probably isn't exactly what it seems. So something to ponder today. Have a great rest of your day and I'll catch you tomorrow for the Wednesday show where your optimal life awaits.